Hey, we are on page 73, and the topic is Satan and Demons. Now, notice, if you're going to uh, get back there, uh, you, 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 he doesn't even deserve to have a capitalized S. We learned that, in, as we saw last week, uh, that's where they got the depictions of Satan, if you were here last week. And uh, historically, because the Bible says that he was Lucifer. Uh, he was a delighting one and a very beautiful angel cherub and his pride is what was his downfall and he wanted to be like God he wanted to have power and control it was all self self me myself and I the unholy trinity and uh, so the early history of course that's why they started to in the dark ages depict Satan with fangs and thorns but that's not necessarily how he shows up the Bible's very clear that sometimes he shows up as an angel of light uh, and demons they could deceive you okay but uh, this little thing we always did in Bible college is we never capitalize Satan and uh, he, he's just a little flea, you know, compared to God. We'll see that tonight. But uh, page 73, we saw the issue of Satan and demons. There is there really a devil? Yes, there is. Even though we saw the incredible stat, believe it or not, 65% of people don't believe in him. Even in the church. Think he's just a symbol of evil, but not to be taken literally. And then we saw, well, what about Satan's origin and fall? Where'd he come from? How this whole thing's happened? And uh, we, we dealt with that. And he was the covering cherub, as we saw. He was the uh, Lucifer. He was the lightened one. He was uh, there with God. And uh, until wickedness, Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28, as we saw, was found within him. Uh, God is not the one who created evil. Uh, is Satan is the one that evil began with, as we saw there. But that's just the other half, because Satan comes along with these little critters, and they're called what? Demons, okay? Demonion in the Greek, and that's where we left off there on page 74. About the middle, it says the origin and fall now of demons. We saw Satan, how he fell, how that all started. Where'd he come from? Let's take a look at now demons, uh, his cohorts. As has been stated before, the Bible is all but silent on the creation of Satan and the angelic host in general. Although uh, many theologians would say that uh, uh, angels uh, and Satan won before he fell, uh, maybe created uh, the same time when God created light, if you will. What we do know is that somewhere after day six of creation, logically we can deduce this, uh, that uh, somewhere after uh, day six, when God created man and said, and as he went throughout creation, everything was good, 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 very good. And then the seventh day, okay, after that, sometime between there and Genesis chapter three, the fall of man, Satan fell. Okay, because everything was very good up to that point. So we can kind of deduce that, okay? So we may not know specifically whatever. We know what also caused his downfall. We saw that last week with pride, arrogance. He wanted to be like God. Again, the me, myself, and I syndrome, the unholy trinity is the birthplace of Satan. And that's the number one law of Satanism today. Do what you will shall be the whole of the law. Okay? This includes the creation of demons. If we examine the scriptures, the best we can deduce is that demons are fallen angels. Okay? We saw last week, again, angels are angelos in the Greek, and it simply just means uh, the word uh, messengers. Okay? And again, you have good messengers, you got bad messengers. The good ones are the angels who stayed with God and did not rebel. The bad ones is what we call demons and who went with Satan in his rebellion. Uh, if we examine the scriptures, uh, they're fallen angels. Apparently, when Satan exalted himself and fell from his exalted position, he was followed by a large number of angelic beings. Your first blank there. Angelic beings, not jelly beans. It sounds like that. It's angelic beings. Okay. Turn to your Bible, Matthew 24. Let's take a look. We're going to do some page flipping tonight. Matthew 24, verse 41. Uh, 20, Matthew 25. Yeah, thank you, Ruth. See, that's why we can't start until you get here. That's right. And uh, let's take a look at Matthew 25 and uh, take a look there. And this is actually a, a nice passage to bring up too sometimes if people are <coughs> choking on hell, okay? And uh, sometimes you'll do that as you share the gospel with people. 
As we saw before, do they have any uh, sense that their sins are separating them from God, which means, oh, that's just a bad trip. No, it means you're going to ultimately end up to hell unless something gets reversed, unless you get pardoned, okay, through Jesus Christ, okay? But people say, hell, why would God create a hell? Well, you need to understand what was the origin of hell. What was the whole, what was the original purpose of hell? Well, this is what this says here for us. Uh, Verse 41 uh, says this, and then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for who? The devil and his angels, angelas, or messengers, okay, is what's going on there. So again, we see that the devil has who works with them. Angels, angelas, demons is what we call them. Okay, but again, just kind of a sub-point there. Originally, hell was created to, for the final abode, okay, of, of, of Satan, of demons. Eternal fire, meaning lake of fire, and we'll get to that in a second, actually, because Satan really isn't in hell, even though sometimes that gets depicted. Okay, he's not in hell. He's alive and well on planet Earth. Okay, and so are the demons. Some of them, some are bound. We'll get to that in a second. Lord willing. Okay, so that's a very important passage. Now, roll over to Revelation chapter 12. If you've ever wondered, you know, you've probably heard it said many a times uh, that one third of the angels rebelled with Satan. Well, where do we get that? Well, here's a passage, Revelation 12. Kind of interesting. This is a little bit of the passage. We're going to be dealing with uh, one of the passages, Lord willing, uh, Sunday on the next final countdown study on the one world religion. Okay. And, uh, but Revelation chapter 12 and uh, verse 4 says this. And uh, the context here is the dragon. The dragon is defined by the context as Satan. Clearly in the context. You don't have to wonder. Okay. And it says, uh, verse 4, his tail swept how many? A third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon, Satan, stood in front of the woman. And it's talking about Israel in the context there, the first three verses, who was about to give birth so that he might devour her child the moment it was born. And uh, she gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule the nations with an iron scepter. Who's that? Jesus. And her child was snatched up to God to his throne. And the woman fled in the desert. Now this is Israel during the uh, seven-year tribulation. The second half after the Antichrist goes up into the temple, declares himself to be God, and starts to annihilate the Jewish people. Again, Lord willing, we'll get to that on Sunday uh, at the next study. And uh, we're uh, uh, to, to the desert, a place that's prepared for her by God, where she might be taken care of 1,260 days or half of the seven-year tribulation, okay? So that what we see there is not just Satan, okay? It's Satan and his angels, his angelos, his messengers. So he has his little army, his little cohorts there. And yes, it is an army, okay? As we saw last time again with uh, the verbiage that's used in Ephesians chapter 6, okay? The rulers and authorities and principalities of darkness, and you got a chain of command that's going on there. Okay, and that's what he uses as well with the demons, okay? And, uh, but where are the demons from? Okay, they're, they're not like what, you know, Mormons would say that that's a, a curse on the souls of black people and things of that nature. Used to teach all kinds of weird stuff like that, kids not. Uh, don't, they don't come telling you that when they knock at the door, okay, amongst other heresies, uh, as we've seen before. Uh, but no, they are fallen angels, okay? Uh, when a person becomes, uh, when they die, they don't turn into an angel, okay? Hollywood likes that. They don't turn into a little baby, really pudgy cheek. Makes for cool wallpaper, I'll grant it, if you're into that kind of thing. But that's not good Bible. Okay, good wallpaper is not good Bible. Hey, that's like a good, that'd be a book title. What do you think, Ruth? Okay, we thank you for the cooperation. But I'm glad you're here again tonight. Uh, let's continue on. Uh, but they are fallen, uh, created angels, okay? They rebel with Satan. These demons are free to roam the heavens under their leader, prince, who became Satan. He's also called Beelzebub by Jesus, the prince of demons, Okay, so again, just that title, Prince of Who? Prince of Demons, means that they work in cohorts with Satan. Okay, clearly as we see 
uh, in the text there. And then, of course, we saw Matthew 25, the dragon and his angels, angelos, messengers, Revelation 12, in Satan's kingdom under his rule, demons are his subjects and helpers. You'll see that again in Matthew 12. They are also so well organized, underline that, so well organized, okay, that satanic strategy uh, can use them as effectively as, listen, a commander-in-chief wielding a great army. Anybody in the military? Anybody been in the military? It's pretty much a whole history sunrise, right? All right. When you're in the military, what's the importance of when you're trying to do something? You need a chain of command, all right? How how well would a a private do uh, if he barked at uh, his sergeant? He wouldn't get very far, would he? Okay. Uh, How about if he said, well, forget that guy. I'm going all the way top. I'm going to be the guy in charge, right? I know what's best. And he goes and he uh, takes on the general. Got to be toast, right? Okay. Uh, you're right. Not a good idea. Okay. Uh, the, why, it, and you need that. Why? Because obviously in the military, you need a chain of command. Why? Because you're trying to do something. You got a plan. Sometimes you go to a war and you have a plan and you need to follow that plan. There is structure. There is leadership. There is organization. And if you get away from the structure and the leadership and the organization, uh, it kind of messes things up, right? What good it would do if you had a whole a company of soldiers and you said, go over here because you've got you to head off this front over here and this company. And they says, no, I'm, go, I'm just going to go over here. I'm going to do what? How well would you survive? How well would you do? Not very good. And this is what we see with Satan, folks. Okay, he knows. And I said this just a little bit ago. He knows the power. Listen, he knows the power of unity. He uses it with his forces. Okay, the demons. And he also understands the importance of a chain of command. Okay. And is it any wonder that two things that Satan will attack a church is unity and chain of command? Instead of following the chain of command, we rebel because we know better than the general. And he'll get us to be disorganized so we'll never get anywhere. And we spend all of our time shooting ourselves and our own wounded instead of fighting the battle that's before us. I'm telling you, it's not by chance. He knows the power of it. The scripture gives us the illusion and the understanding that he uses it himself to do his nefarious purposes. So is it any wonder that that's the one very thing amongst many other things uh, that he'll try to weaken uh, a church or a Christian. Even, I would even say a family, right? The husband's supposed to be the spiritual leader of the household and, and the family and submitting to that and the leadership and of course under the headship of Jesus Christ. And you get all, is our world bucking at that? At male leadership in the home, let alone in the church? Absolutely. Is, is it, how, what's the effect on the family? What's the effect on our nation? It's absolutely destroying. Satan knows exactly what he's doing and that's what he's attacking today. Okay, well, let's continue on. It says there, he says, uh, what is the present state of Satan and his demons? Okay, uh, well, let's take a look. Among those angels that fell with Satan, some are free to roam about and do the devil's bidding, and some are bound in Tartarus. Okay, now, in case you guys are always wondering, that's where those, uh, like, Long John Silvers and those uh, seafood places get all that sauce. No, that's tartar sauce. Now, I know that's what you're thinking. Now, that, it kind of would, would think that, but that's not what it is. Obviously, it's a Greek terminology that was used, uh, but it was abode for demons, Okay. And uh, many people feel that the reason why they were bound, it was some particular issues that, you know, you get that illusion a little bit from Jude, uh, the book of Jude, and uh, I think, and Peter, it kind of gives us that the angels, the certain sin that they were doing, that they were saying, okay, you're stuck there and you ain't getting out. Because this, and this is what we see with our chart, I there's a chart at the end of the study if you want to look at it. I kind of recreated it here for you tonight. You got angels, but you got two classification of angels, angelos, messengers, that's all it is. You got messengers of God, okay, the unfallen ones, okay. And you got the angelos, the messengers of Satan, what we call demons, the ones who rebelled with him, the one-third that we saw there, okay? Now, these guys are 
free to roam. They're messengers of God. They, they still exist today. Hebrews chapter 1 says this. Hey, be careful who you entertain. Might be entertaining angels unaware. Okay? Things that, so they're alive and well, and they do God's bidding still today. Okay? It's real. But these guys are just as real. Okay? But because of what they've done, and God's always in charge. We'll see that in a second, hopefully. You're going to see that you've got active demons okay, on the planet, and then you've got confined demons. Now, the confined demons, we just saw one of them is where you get the, not the food, the fish food stuff, a Tartarus, okay, and that's a permanent one. They ain't ever getting out, okay? And again, some people would say, 2 Peter 2 and Jude 6, some things that they were doing, possibly Genesis 6, where it talks about the sons of God, the angels, and cohabitating with women and whatever is going on there, and that's a whole other topic. Uh, but also, you got another set in the pit. Man, it would, would be cool to do a study on that, Revelation chapter 9. It's called the abusas, okay, in the Greek there. And it says that uh, the people who received the mark for five months, okay, demons, a horde of demons are going to be coming out of this pit, the abusas. This pit, these guys have been sitting there. And it says that they're coming out for that exact day, exact hour, exact, I mean, it's just, they just, they, if you can imagine, if they got chucked in that pit, let's say 6,000 years ago, they've been in that pit for 6,000 years just chomping at the bit, just evil as you can't even believe, just waiting for their time to get out. God lets them out in the seven-year tribulation. And what he does is for five months, read it there, you think, oh, you don't want to be there tell you what uh he lets those demons out and they are going after mankind for five months every single day day in day out here they come and they torment people it is such a bad torment that god allows them the demons to come out of this pit the abuse out there in revelation 9 is a judgment just one judgment one slice of a little piece of time in seven year time frame and they come out and they torment people the torment is so stinking bad on those who receive the mark of the beast okay it says that they want to die but death eludes them can you imagine that it's such a bad torment that you literally want to kill yourself, but God won't let you die. You might try to jump off the building, but God will sovereignly allow you not to die. You might try to pull the trigger, but it ain't, it's going to miss you. God, it just, you cannot die. He won't let you die. You are going to be tormented every single day by these demons for five months, day in, day out, and it's only the ones who receive the mark of the beast. That's just five months during the seven-year tribulation. That, it just gets worse as you go. You start with the seals and the trumpets and the bowls, and it's just, ugh, it's just horrible, okay? So that's what's going to happen. So you've got two confined. These are permanent. These are going to come out during the seven-year tribulation. But right now, you've got the active ones, okay? Seven-year tribulation is going to be a horrible time, guys. The planet is literally going to be crawling with demons full force, uh, exposed. You will see them no more just like if you get involved in the occult or sometimes if you get into those things, they'll appear and do that stuff today. Uh, they're seducing people, if you haven't paid attention, in our society today with all the ghosts and the psychic movies and sick uh, reality shows and all this. Those, they're sucking people into that, guys. Those are, if there is an actual spirit that's going on, the Bible's cool, that's a familiar spirit, that's a demonic spirit. It is not your Aunt Vera. It's not some loved one. It's not some person who whatever, because the Bible's clear. You don't turn into an angel when you die. You either go straight to heaven or you go straight to hell. You don't come back. So it ain't a person. It's a demon who is fooling you, okay? And our society's preparing people for that getting them ready for what's going to happen in the seven-year tribulation. Uh, let's continue on. There's two prominent events revealed in the history of Satan falling within the period of time when he proposed in his heart to become like the Most High and his yet future banishment and execution. Praise God. Turn to that one. You've got to read this one. This is encouraging. I really hope we get to be there. Revelation chapter 20. Find the dictionary. What do you do? Left. That's right. Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 through 3. Then we're going to skip down and read verses 7 through 10. And uh, man, this is going to be great. Revelation chapter 20. And uh, verse 1 says this, And I saw an angel coming down out of heaven. This is cool. Having the key to the what? Abusas, the abyss. 
and holding in his hand a great chain, and he sees the dragon, the ancient serpent, who is the devil or Satan. If I only knew who the dragon was, I think the dragon represents China, and China's going to come with the red dragon. Just read your Bible and it defines it for you, and that's just one passage. No, it's Satan. Now, what I like bringing out in this point, in this passage, okay, is, uh, man, look at it. Did you notice how powerful Satan is? I mean, gee willikers, uh, dare we ever even take him on? I mean, I mean, it, it took two-thirds of all the angels of heaven just to even get him wrapped around in a chain. And how many angels did it take? One. You see the lie? Do you see the illusion? He tries this. He, I'm telling you, I, I call it the Star Wars theology, which is not, again, uh, good theology. It says, that is that wallpaper stuff, okay? And uh, I'm thinking that's where you get your fish uh, sauce from, okay? No, it's not. He tries to think that it's like the good force and the bad force the light and the dark and it's exactly 50 50 and if you're not careful and if you put too much tartar sauce on this side you might tip the scales for a generation but you can it's just it's half and half and 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 god's and then so he gets us to think that that's how he is that he's almost just as powerful as god and god's just really working his tail off and just hopefully maybe are you kidding me he's a flea he's a defeated flea he, he roars like a lion. He's not even a lion. His teeth have been knocked out and he's got a little rat body. Jesus Christ has whipped him on the cross. He stripped him of his power, uh, Colossians says. Read the Bible. He is just, he's a liar. And then when it comes down to it, he, one angel, wraps a chain around you. See what I'm saying? We either overemphasize Satan or we de-emphasize him. Seems to be what we do, okay? And we don't understand the victory that we have in Christ. So he, he bounds him in there. Uh, for a thousand years, he threw him into the uh, abyss, locked, sealed it over him, and kept him from deceiving the nations anymore until the thousand years were ended. And now after that, he must be set free for a short time. Down to verse 7. When the thousand years are over, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out and deceive the nations in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. In number, they are like the sand of the seashore. They marched across the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of God's people, the city he loves. But fire came down from heaven and devoured them. Notice this time, the final one, the final judgment, the final battle, if you will, okay? After the millennial kingdom, it ain't drawn out for seven years. It's just, you're done. Who's in charge? God. It's just, it's all, you know, it's anyway, so, and that's what we need to understand. Again, we either overemphasize him or we de-emphasize him, okay? And so he puts him down like that. And then what? The devil who deceived them, the world, was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. Now, what's that tell you? They were thrown in there at the end of the seven-year tribulation, the second coming of Jesus Christ. That means they've been in the lake of fire for a thousand years. That right there tells you that hell is not annihilation, as some people would try to soften that doctrine. No, and in case you don't get it, keep reading. He says they will be tormented. What? They'll just burn up and disappear. No, day and night forever and ever and ever and ever and, okay? And that's what we see there. Okay, but that is, I want you to read that because we need to understand he is the defeated one. The first of these was his meeting, okay, these two events, uh, with and triumph over Adam when he wrested the scepter of authority from man. By securing man's loyal obedience to his own suggestion and counsel, you can be like God. You can be the one who's in charge because after all, you know what's right. You can discover what's, good and evil god's keeping something from me don't do it his way don't listen to him rebel with me it's all about you you know what's right you see what i'm saying the same thing and that's what he did unfortunately adam of course eve uh fell for that this earthly scepter satan held by the full right of conquest seemingly underline that word without challenge from jehovah seemingly okay until the first advent 
of the last Adam. Okay, you need to understand, I, I appreciate him putting seemingly in there because uh, it, it's not like a God was, oh, why didn't you tell me, Ruth? What's the big idea? I mean, here it was, the one time I finally get a break, I'm just having a cup of coffee. Next thing you know, here comes this rebellion, and oh, now my hands are tied. I... No, that's not God. Okay, that's not at all uh, how it went. Satan is not a loose cannon on deck even now. Yes, he tempted Adam and Eve and tricked them and deceived them into falling. Okay, but that's, uh, he doesn't just roam willy-nilly and gets to do whatever he wants and God's just somehow limited. Job chapter one, turn there, please. And uh, let's take a look at that. So very encouraging book if you're looking for employment. And uh, Job, or Job, however you want to pronounce it, Tom, you know, it just depends. Stalled some time, Job chapter one, verse six. And we clearly see this uh, in here. And uh, Job chapter one, verse six says, and one day the angels, Angelos, came to present themselves before the Lord. And guess who was there? And Satan uh, also came with them. The Lord said, Satan, where have you come? And, you know, he knew. Uh, Satan asked the Lord, from roaming through the earth and going back and forth in it. Now, you'd think if Satan really had a big power, big power like God, and God's hands were tied, and God says, hey, all right, come on up here. He's, no, I'm not going to do it. And that's just one passage you see that God is the one who's in charge. Even Satan Okay, it's not a loose cannon on deck. He only gets to do what God allows him to do. And you're actually going to see in the seven-year tribulation that he is an instrument of God's judgment on the wickedness and rebelliousness of this wicked world system. It's, it's still Satan really isn't in charge. God will use him. He's not the author of evil. He doesn't condone evil. But he will use him as an act of judgment on the planet. And again, Satan thinks he's having his heyday, but he ain't going to stop the second coming of Jesus Christ. The Antichrist is the loser. He is not going to win. He is not going to be the one who's the ruler of the planet. He's going to be defeated. How many times you got to learn? But as we saw before, there's a reason why he's doing that. We'll get to that in a second, okay? It's his nature, okay? Christ, uh, the last Adam, through his death, burial, and resurrection, served the death blow that crushed the head of Satan, okay? Although the sentence has not been yet executed, a good way of looking at that, he's on death row, right? He, he, you know, he, again, he doesn't get to what he gets to do, He'll get out, he'll be allowed to go out and whatever, but again, it's under God's confines, but it doesn't stop the sentence. The time is ticking, and one day, he's going to the lake of fire. We read that. We just read that passage. He's on death row, okay? It's not that that God, you know, doesn't care. God says, he tells us one of the reasons why. He says he's not willing that any should perish, right? He's not the author of evil. He doesn't like evil. He takes even no uh, uh, pleasure in the death of the wicked, the scripture says, okay? He wants people to be saved. He's giving you time. To respond to his graciousness to be saved through Jesus Christ. Okay? Uh, but let's continue on. Although the sentence has not been executed, the certainty of punishment uh, is as sure as Scripture. Okay? For now, Satan has been allowed by God to retain his position as prince of the power of the air, carrying out his strategic plans uh, through his demonic forces. And again, this is why he knows, folks, that he's doomed. Okay? He knows the Scripture. He knows what God says. He knows where he's headed. He's going to the lake of fire. That's why he's so stinking mad. Okay? But again, it, it's his nature that we've seen before, the two different Greek words there, and uh, is paneros and kakos that's used there. This is just, they're both bad or evil. Okay? This is kind of your generic bad. Again, the analogy. Somebody goes into a 7-Eleven, robs it. Cops come in, uh, take them away, and that was a bad thing to do. That's kakos. Paneros, and this is the one that's used of Satan, is the exact same scenario. Okay, go in 7-Eleven, uh, but the cops surround the place, and there's no way out. 
Uh, there's no escape. They've got the whole place surrounded. You, you ain't going to win. Sorry, it's over. So he, this guy pulls out a gun and starts shooting as many people as he possibly can. That's Poneros. That's what Satan's doing. He knows his gig is up. He knows he's headed to the lake of fire. He's the big fat loser. And so he's so stinking evil, he uses lies and deceit to, to deceive people and see how many he could take down with him straight into the lake of fire. Okay? This, this is exactly what we see. So what are Satan and the demons up to? All right? Well, let's take a look. Unger says, Satan's abode and base of operation is not in hell. Okay? But in the heavenly realms. Okay? Not, however, in the third heaven or the heaven of heavens, 2 Corinthians 12, to where Paul says, I was caught up to the third heavens and heard things that can't even, whoo ha, the actual dwelling place of God the Father. The Bible talks about the different heavens. Uh, it's a Greek word called uranos, and uh, it is, is where we get, it's the same word, uh, heavens. It's kind of like the word we saw before, cool, spelled the exact same way, C-O-O-L. Uh, the context determines the meaning, right? Hey, Joyce, that shirt looks pretty cool. Or hey, it's kind of a little chilly out tonight. It's kind of cool. Or, or, hey, Randy, man, I thought we were getting along. Your attitude towards me is kind of cool. What's, you know, what's going on? You know, what the same word spelled the exact same way. What, what de- defines the meaning? The context. Same thing with urnas or heavens. The Bible talks about three. There's three different ones. There's the urnas or the heavens, okay, where the birds fly. So what would that be? That's your atmosphere. So if you've got earth here, then that's going to be your atmosphere. And then it talks about the urnas or the heavens where the stars are. So what's that? That's going to be outer space. And then you've got the third heaven where the dwelling place of God the Father is. And that's what you're going to have. So you've got one, two, and three is the biblical picture of what the heavens. And that's what he's talking about. Uh, Satan is confined uh, to the first two. Okay. Uh, let's take a look. He says this. Uh, uh, ascend- the ascended Christ, Jesus, is seated far above rule and authority and power and dominion. Right hand of the Father. Stage three, if you will. Okay. And uh, Satan was expelled from this highest heaven, evidently not the time of his primeval fall. That's what we saw. He was still commanded to go up before God in Job. Okay, but after Christ completed his redemptive work uh, and glorious ascension, uh, he's now limited uh, to the first and second uh, heavens as the prince of the power of the air. It needs to be remembered that Satan, like the other angelic beings, is neither omnipotent, omniscient, or omnipresent. Those are some big words. That's right, Jim. Those are some big words, so let's define them. Omnipotent means all-powerful. Omni means all. Potent. Powerful. Okay? He's not all-powerful. Again, it's not like the Star Wars thing. Okay? Omniscient. All-knowing. He doesn't know everything. Okay? These are only attributes of, applicable to God. God, by definition, is these three things. Okay? If there was some other entity that had these same powers other than God, then you got an oxymoron. How could God be supreme if somebody else is... See what I'm saying? So by nature of being God, only he has these abilities. And again, that's another lie from Satan. He's not omnipresent. God's everywhere at once. You can't hide from him. Isn't that a scary thought? Like, yeah, if you're sinning. But if you enjoy your relationship with Jesus Christ, isn't it a comfort? You're never alone. He's always with you wherever he is. Uh, wherever you go is his child. It's awesome. Okay, but Satan is not. Well, wait a second, Pastor Billy. Haven't you seen those psychic shows? Those, you know, I know they're demonic, but... I mean, uh, they've, they've got to have some of these omniscient powers. and uh, um, No, it's called lies. Okay, let me give you some examples uh, of that. And some of this was in the, some of the New Age stuff. And uh, they do two things to people, uh, to dupe them with these lies, these psychics. Uh, they do two things. They have first what's called cold readings, and then they have what's called hot readings. Let me give you a cold reading. It's, it's all baloney, okay? 
a person would come in, you know, if they would pick your whatever. They're going to read your palm or the crystal ball or whatever, and you pay them the cash. It's, it's all a bunch of baloney, okay? And if they do get a piece of information, I'll get to that in a second, it's demonic, okay? The whole thing's designed to lead you away from God because that's what demons do, from the truth, from God, from the Bible, from Jesus, okay? And uh, so a cold reading would go something like this. And you can actually learn a lot from somebody just by doing a cold reading. In other words, you pay attention to them. What are they wearing? What do the shoes look like? Is that boots? Is that looks like a construction worker? Or that lady, oh, she's dressed pretty nice. Looks like she's more of a sophisticated lady. But on their finger, are they married? Do they have a wedding ring? Not wedding ring. You know, pay attention. You know, how did they carry themselves? Were they confident? Were they kind of scared? Were they skittered? You can learn a massive amount about a person. It's called a cold reading. Before they, and, and then you start sharing that. Well, I could see that uh, you're married. Oh, <gasps> it's real. They don't know the tricks that are being played. I'm telling you guys, it happens all the time, okay? And, and, and then what they'll do, they'll, they'll get you, they'll suck you in, and all it takes is just one, and usually they get the person, oh, yeah, yeah, what else, what else? Okay, and that's when they really get you. The hot reading, what they do is they do something like this. They'll, they'll, uh, they'll get you to, uh, it's called fill in the blank is what's going on, okay? They'll, they'll learn from what they get you, but then now they really try to wow you. And they'll sit there and they'll go, well, the spirits are talking to me, and I, uh, and they, they just guess. They go fishing is what they're doing. And they're going to let you fill in the blank. Okay? And, and I see that uh, you, um, I, I just, what's coming to me is, um, I think it's a, a relation, you've had an estranged relationship with your, with your father. With your father, yeah, I think his father. And see, they watch for the verbal cues from the person. Now, if the person doesn't validate it and go like, but they're just sitting there going, you know, frown like, I got a great relationship with my dad. You know, thinking that to myself. Like, no, 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 that's not, no, no, they're telling, oh, no, no, you've already dealt with that. No, that, that's, that's, okay. No, it, it, oh, it's a, it's a boyfriend. It, and who hasn't had an ex-boyfriend or ex-girlfriend, you know, they just skipped to something. And then the person validates. They go, oh, yeah, yeah, right? It's called, it's called, they go fishing. And they let you fill in the blank. And they do this. They do people all the time. You see the guys on, you, once you understand the techniques, you can watch every one of these hucksters on TV, okay? And they use the same techniques. They let people fill in the blank. And they go fishing. And they'll say stuff like, oh, you've already dealt with that. Or, or, or well, no, no, it, it's still a male, but it's like that. Or, like, you know, and then once they fill it in, they just, they, oh, people, they just get sucked in, okay, with that. Now, here's another thing they'll do. They'll say, well, wait a second, Pastor Billy. I know that even police forces will use psychics uh, to discover uh, the body of a murderer. So there's got to be some omniscient powers going, no. Think about it. Satan is a liar. He's, been, he's a father of lies. He's a murderer. He's been a murderer from the beginning. Who in the world do you think was there when the murder was committed? At least one demon, right? So the demon shares that with the psychic, right? And the person doesn't know. And the person, the, the psychic might actually hear a voice. I don't doubt that. Doesn't mean you got some clairvoyant, wonderful powers. Okay, and, and sure enough, they're there. So what does it do? What do people at that point start putting their hope in? The word of God, the Bible, Jesus Christ? No, a demonic psychic. And that's how they suck people into it. So he is not omnipresent. He's not omniscient. Okay, and he certainly is not omnipotent. Thus, Satan carries out his strategies through his organized host of demons uh, ranked as principalities, powers, world forces of this darkness and spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. These demons not only carry out Satan's desires, but are also constantly gathering information about people that Satan can use in carrying out his schemes to what? So, do you realize he hates us? 
He does. He hates God's children. And I remember I had an instructor years back. He says, you know, there really is one way, if you think about it, that Satan can, if you will, get back at God. And he does it by getting back at the heart of God. You see, because if Satan gets us as Christians to sin against God, the Bible says we can grieve the Holy Spirit. If, if Satan can get us as Christians to beat each other up instead of being unified and love one another, that hurts God. So he says, you know, there is a way, if you will. And what he does is he'll come after Christians and he'll get Christians to hurt God. You know, he can't, he can't stop God. He can't affect God. Nobody can. Right? God's immutable is the big theological term. Okay, but if you will, he gets at him through his heart. Okay, and, and things of that nature. Uh, Unger describes the character of demons. The character of demons reveal what they uh, can do to their victims. Invisible, extremely intelligent. Again, that's the root word of demonion from Greek. It means intelligent ones. And again, I love what he said here. He says, gathering information about people. Guys, they know us big time. They've had 6,000 years, if you will, kicking around, looking at mankind for 6,000 years, knowing exactly what makes us tick, especially with the sin nature aspect. All right? And all they do is they change the terminology. They change the package. Unfortunately, they don't have to be too smart because we unfortunately fall for the same traps every single time. The good news is we don't have to fall for the traps. The Bible's very clear. Our weapons are not the weapons of this world, our warfare, okay? And uh, that God provides a way out every single time, every temptation. But we need to understand how uh, that takes place and we certainly need to understand the armor of God. And Lord willing, eventually we can get that in the study and they're totally depraved personalities and they could do a great deal of harm to the unregenerate person leading him into evil and as believers it's good to know that god is for us is anybody excited about that okay <laughs> and that christ's victory is complete he protects us from evil listen to this the healthy christian will never suffer from occult oppression now wait a second we've talked before a christian cannot be possessed the holy spirit's not going to share you with a demon inside and it's not going to happen sorry i truly believe that's a horrible false teaching okay uh but you can't be oppressed okay he can still mess with you so what's he talking about here well underline the word they're healthy christian okay because he cannot touch us guys first john four uh four i believe greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world we don't have to be afraid he's the one that's defeated he's the little pipsqueak of a rat with a lion head and knocked out teeth right uh, that's what the scripture says he's been defeated okay the only way that he gets an inroads the only way that he can even oppress us because we're armed to the teeth with the armor of god is when we're not walking in victory in other words when we give into his lies and we fall for his trap that's it that's the only way he can oppress us if we give into his because christ has already given us the victory we belong to jesus not him the only way it works on us is if we give into his lies and we fall for his traps. Okay, that's it. So if you're a healthy Christian, praise God. It isn't just you don't belong to the dominion of darkness anymore. We've been rescued from that, the scripture says. But you don't even have to be uh, messed with to that, that degree. Unfortunately, what do we do? We fall for his lies and we give into his traps. Can I tell you what the biggest trap is? Because it's at the heart of Satan. It's at the heart of his fall. And as we saw last week, once again, we've talked about this many times. I'm fully convinced of this. It's the number one law of Satanism. And it's the number one virtue in our society. It's when he gets us to live for nothing but self. You are never more like Satan when it's all about you. That's what causes his fall. Self. You. Know what's right? You. 
can know what's good and evil. Don't do what God says. He's holding something back from you. You do it your way. And you, 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 you. I'm telling you. And you fell for his lies. You go for his traps. He's got you. They're being oppressed. Okay? And that's what he's talking about. The natural questions arise. Well, what can demons do to men in general? <clears throat> and what effect can they have on Christians specifically? Well, Dr. Merrill Unger gives us five ways in which demons can affect mankind. They include, Ruth, this. Demons use men to oppose God. Are you serious? You mean to tell me when God starts doing something, uh, we're gonna, uh, we need to start expecting demonic activity? <laughs> yeah. Now, listen to what he, what, what, who does he use? Not just actual demons. Who does he use to oppose the things of God? People. Didn't we see that last week? The Satanists, when they come into churches. Witches, when they come into churches. What do they do? They come in here to destroy. They come in here to oppose. And just get people yippity yappy yippy yappy yap. And the church goes down the tubes. We self-destruct. Anything to get us to destruct. Because we have to stop us. Because they have to oppose what is going on. Because God's doing a great work. I, I, I just, I just, I was leaving to go home to uh, crash for a little bit, get up, study, and come in here. And right as I was leaving, uh, Diana uh, Olwen, and uh, she just handed me this six-page sheet. Okay, and and she goes, "Hey, Pastor Billy, check this out." She's, I turned her on to the statistics and stats of what's going on with the website and the ministries and who all we're reaching. This is just the first page, and this is not all on the first page. This, let me just read to you just a few of the countries, just on this first page of six that we're currently getting to share God's word and the gospel. This is a random thing. This isn't everything. This is a little slice of one day. Listen to this. Germany, Canada, Ghana, Australia, India, Saudi Arabia, Sweden, United Kingdom, Jordan, Romania, Norway, Greece, New Zealand, Philippines, Indonesia, Thailand, Puerto Rico, China, Brazil, Germany, uh, Malawi, wherever that is, uh, Italy, uh, Bosnia, uh, Herzegovina, uh, France, Barbados, Philippines, and Turkey, and that's just some just on the first page of six. That's what we get to do. Isn't that amazing? We, uh, I, I, that's just a, a tip of the tip of the tip of the tip of the tip. Man, I say God's doing a great work. That's pretty exciting. That's just one little slice of one little day of one little page. I think somebody would eventually say, hey, we better oppose that. I'm telling you, folks, we need to <laughs> all the battles of flesh and blood. Okay? When God starts doing a great work, somebody's always going to want to hose it up. And that's what he says. Demons want to, <clears throat> and he'll use men, people, to oppose the things of God. Satan's main occupation is opposition to God's will. Right? Is it God's will for us to study the Bible? Is it God's will for us to make disciples? Is it God's will for us to share the gospel to Las Vegas and, and to the ends of the earth? Right? So guess who's going to oppose that? Satan and demons, okay? The name Satan <clears throat> given to Lucifer after his fall means adversary, God's adversary. And man's, especially when man loves and serves God, okay? Uh, and uh, it's Adrian Rogers, I think it was a classic illustration. He says, uh, if uh, you're never bothered by Satan, okay, and you never feel any resistance from him, it could be because you and him are going in the same direction. The moment you start going upstream against the culture, which is basic Bible Christianity, okay, you're going to experience a current. You're going to experience resistance, like a salmon going upstream, okay? And any time that you want to do something truly significant for Christ, you're going to pay a significant price. We don't have to walk around in fear. We don't, oh, here comes Satan, you know, Star Wars, 50, 50. No, 
But at the same time, don't be that 65% that acts like it doesn't happen. And that when we face challenges, that it's only, only just physical. No. And that it means that everything's doom and gloom. No, it might be because everything's going great. Uh, Satan's going to oppose that. That's what demons do. Okay, as he says here, he says that it was the intrusion of Satan's will against the divine will that introduced sin into sinless universe and transformed Lucifer, light bearer, into Satan, opposer. Satan's rebellion fixed the pattern of satanic and demonic attitude as opposition to God and the exaltation, here it is, underlining, he says it too, what? You are never more like Satan when it's all about self, okay? Abel's murder, Herod slaughtered the children, and the serpent seeking to slay the promised seed through the leaders of the Jewish nation show how effective Satan is using men to oppose God. He forgot one in here, Haman, remember that guy? Okay, Haman, yep, absolutely, Tom. And uh, man, if you want some good humor and some good action, read that book. Oh, isn't it awesome? And he's in there, and he's trying to, because who's ultimately inciting the murder and the murderous attitudes of Haman? And and with Abel, okay? And and you see with the Jewish people throughout history, the biblical history, why is Satan doing that? Because back in Genesis 3.15, God says, hey, guess what? Yeah, you, you might have uh, tricked my uh, creation here, but guess what? Uh, he, he cursed Satan, and right after that, he says, guess what, buddy? Your days are numbered. Okay, I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman, and uh, the seed of the woman is going to crush your head. You're done. He was there. He knew it. So what did he start working at from there all the way up to the cross? Trying to, he knew that the Messiah was going to come, the one who's going to crush his head. Ultimately, he's going to be of the Jewish people. So who did he try to get rid of? Why? Because he was trying to oppose God's will, God's plan, God's promise to undo him. The same thing today is what he's talking about. But with Haman, that was awesome, man. Trying to annihilate the Jewish people wasn't just because we're just going to get those people. We're anti-Semitic. You know, it's the you know, same thing you see today. It's not just that. Because if he could have done that, then there's nobody left for the lineage for the Messiah to come. But you saw with Haman and he had all his plans. How did his plans work out? The very plans that he made was the very ones that he got hung on. That's, I mean, that's, can I translate that for you? That's God going, nanny, nanny, boo, boo. Who has the last word? Right? God does. Don't mess with God's will. You're going to pay a price. Okay? He's going to win. God's will will prevail. Okay? And that's what he says. And it shows how effective Satan is in using men to oppose God. Satan is a murderer. He's always been one from the beginning. And uh, that's what we were going to see. I'm going to close with this story. And uh, just to remind us how real this battle is. And uh, this is a real guy. Uh, Dare I, as I read through this, can I tell you something? This is probably akin to a lot of people here in Las Vegas. Uh, Maybe not as going as deep into actual Satanism. But as far as being lost as a goose. And not knowing the meaning of life. And getting sucked up into satanic lies. It's true. Satan's real. He's really out here. He's really alive. He's not in hell. He is the prince of the air. But the good news is, if we get out there, if we be a great commercial for Jesus Christ, individually and as a church, and if we get out there sharing the gospel, once again, wouldn't it be awesome, I had one guy, wouldn't it be awesome if you guys, if we could actually give a big old fat knockout uppercut blow to Satan? Just, wouldn't it be awesome? Obedience to God is how you do that. It reminds him of his defeat. So let, let, let's go to Sean Sellers. I don't know if you guys heard of this guy. Listen to this. He started out as your typical American teenager who just wanted to have a little fun <clears throat> and discover what life's all about. And so his, his search for answers, it didn't take Sean long 
to see through the emptiness of the so-called normal American way of life, that of seeking happiness and consumerism and having a positive self-image or indulging in endless, mindless entertainment. It seemed so futile. Uh, Sean knew there had to be more to life. But to make matters worse, at this stage, when Sean was desperately looking for answers, the so-called Christians he ran into were totally stuck up and completely absorbed in, them, in themselves. So Sean decided he didn't need their God. He was going to be his own God. And he actually decided to follow Satan. Okay, why? Because after all, doesn't the devil promise that if we listen to him, we can become our own God, power, and we know it's, right? And so soon, Sean was not only consuming massive amounts of drugs and blaspheming God, but he also started drinking his own or other people's blood that he carried with him in a small vial for power. But he felt something was still missing. He still needed even more power to be an even more powerful God. So Sean turned to the last of the Ten Commandments he had yet to break. He purposely broke all the other ones. Uh, and it was the last one he had to do was, you shall not murder. Uh, the first murder he did was at a convenience store where he casually walked in and proceeded to blow the cashier away with a three fifty seven Magnum. The next one came at the home uh, whereupon uh, his own house where he was doing some homework, finished his homework, performed a satanic ritual, proceeded to take his father's forty four revolver, revolver, shot both of his parents in the head. But shortly thereafter, his satanic spree came to an end and Sean was arrested and thrown into jail. But as the one true God would have it, two days later, a man came to the cell next to Sean and gave him a Bible. Uh, before he had mutilated Bibles, he burned them, he urinated on them, he poured blood on them. But now for the first time, for some unknown reason, he read one. And as he did, he came across the book of Psalms, whereupon an overwhelming sense of guilt flooded his soul. <clears throat> he had been wrong and he realized that Satan had lied to him. And it was the one and only true God, the Bible, uh, who loved Sean, not the devil. And so on his knees in his jail cell, Sean prayed, Lord, here I am. If you will take me, I will serve you. And in that moment, God touched him and Sean began to cry. He knew that true love was not in the things of this world. True love was not in himself. And true love certainly wasn't in trying to be his own God. No, true love is only found in the one and only God, Jesus Christ. And so on February 4th, 1999, Sean Sellers was executed for his crimes upon man. But simultaneously, he was pardoned by God through Jesus Christ and ushered into a place called heaven. That's the battle we're in every single day. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Your, your co-workers, maybe they're not into Satanism, but can I tell you something? They're desperately seeking answers. There's got to be more to life. Are you kidding me? This is it? They got a hole in their heart. Don't you remember those days before being a Christian? How dark and empty and vain and goofy it was? And horrible? Just lost? That's the privilege we have, okay? And, and we are in a spiritual battle. Who do you think it is who tries to get you to be afraid to witness? Who do you think it is who tries to get you to not come to Wednesday night Bible study? Who do you think it is to try to get you to not give up your time, your treasure, your talents, your tongue to your church? Who do you think it is that tries to get you to not come on Sundays or get involved and use the gifts that God's given you? Who do you think it is that tries to get you every time you open the Bible and all of a sudden the spirit of snooze came all over you? Do you think that's my chance? Every day, guys, we live in a spiritual warfare. Satan and demons are real. Praise God, greater is he that is in us than he is in this world. I don't have to be afraid. But let's not go the other extreme and, like, and act like this is not real, it's not happening, because it is. And it's not just for our own well-being, but God has called us to be on the front line for people like Sean, our co-workers, our neighbors, our family members, who need Jesus Christ because the lake of fire is real. And if you understand how bad that is, I don't care what somebody has done to you, you never would wish for them to go there, ever. Amen?
Let's pray. Well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get Life Ministries, and I hope you were blessed with this study. But in closing, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple things that the Bible says. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the wages of our sin or unholiness is death? In other words, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and be separated from God for all eternity. This is the great cosmic dilemma. God who is holy and we are not, how can we have a relationship with Him? The two will never mix. Now, to make matters worse, we don't even want to admit this, even though God already knows He's God. And so God, out of love, gave us something called the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were not something to just memorize or stick on your wall or give the appearance of being a religious person. The Ten Commandments were God's divine x-ray, if you will, into our heart and soul to reveal this truth that we need to admit. And that is this, that God is holy and that we are not. We are disqualified for heaven. So let's take a look at that divine x-ray that God's trying to get us to realize. Uh, the, the Ten Commandments, the, the ninth one says, you shall not bear false witness. That's lying. Okay. How many guys have ever told a lie? Raise your hand. Okay. Well, if you didn't raise your hand, you just did. You just told a lie because we've all done that. Well, that makes us a liar. The, another Ten Commandments says that you shall not steal. Don't ever take anything without permission. How many of you guys uh, have ever done that? Well, you guys already said you're a bunch of liars. All of our hands should have went up on that one. And for being honest, God already knows. Folks, we've all taken something. We've stolen something, right? That makes us a thief. Another Ten Commandments says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. He's not just holy. Even his name is holy. Hey, folks, let's be honest. If you can believe it, even the name of Jesus Christ uh, has been turned into a common cuss word. Well, the Bible says that's a sin of blasphemy. Now we're a, a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus said, here's his standard. Uh, uh, even if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you committed adultery in your heart. Wow, so now we're an adulterer. The Bible says you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, at least I haven't done that one. Really? Again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred, wishing somebody was dead, okay, that, that's the same thing. Uh, it's akin to the sin of murder. It's just you pulled the trigger in your heart, but God sees the heart. Hey, folks, that's just five out of ten. How are you doing? You still think you're going to get to heaven on your own? You still think that you're qualified, that you're holy like God, and you could bridge the gap and have a relationship with Him forever? I don't think so. I mean, what did we just see? You're going to stand before God, and so am I. We all are. And we're going to have to give an account for who we are. Hey, hey, God, let me in. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a liar. I, I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer. I'm an adulterer. I'm a murderer. And the Scripture is very clear, folks. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of God. We're in trouble. But folks, here's the good news. The Bible says that if we would just admit that, that's the first step, to admit that God is holy, that I'm not, I'm disqualified for heaven, I need a Savior. If we would admit that and then ask for the Savior to save us. That, that's what God was doing with Jesus. God gave us His Son, Jesus Christ. He took the death penalty in our place, so that we could be completely forgiven of everything we've ever done and be made holy through Jesus so that we can now have a relationship with God both here and now and forever in heaven. We can become qualified. The word that the Bible uses is a word called pardon, that God is willing to pardon us of all of our sins and crimes that we've committed against Him and disqualified us, that disqualified us for heaven. 
right? And we've actually seen this work in real life. Uh, For instance, uh, there's been people who have committed crimes, gone to court, the gavel's been passed, the judges said, hey, listen, we all know you're guilty, Uh, you even admit you're guilty, and uh, for your crimes, you're going to not just jail, you're going to uh, await in jail to go to the death penalty. And did you know that there actually is a way that somebody could get off of death row? It's called a pardon. The one in the authority, the governor, can grant what's called a pardon for that person's crimes, and they literally can go free. Not because of something they did, because the deeds are already done, you can't undo it. Not because of they tried to clean up their act while they were stuck in the jail cell, because that doesn't change anything. But simply out of mercy, the person who has the authority can give them a pardon, and they can go free. And did you know it's actually on historical record that there have been people who have been granted a pardon from the death penalty and they've refused to take it. And so even though the offer was there to be set free, they themselves still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, in a nutshell, that's what God's doing every single day with all of us this side of heaven. While you still have breath, you still have an opportunity to receive God's pardon He's willing to forgive you of all your sins if you would just receive his pardon through Jesus Christ. Again, that's what he was doing on the cross. The cross was the death penalty of the day. But since we weren't there and since we can't earn it, it's a gift from God. You have to receive that by faith. Reach out even today from your own spiritual jail cell, if you will, and say yes to Jesus and God's pardon so that you can be set free and go to heaven. The Bible says that if you will confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the grave, you will be saved. Hey, folks, if that's you, don't delay. You may not even have tomorrow. Today could be your last day. Please accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Confess with your mouth he is Lord. Believe in your heart that God has raised him from the grave. And the Bible says you will be saved. Well, this has been Billy Crone of Gill Life Ministries. If there's anything that we could do for you, our information and, and number will come up here shortly. And please don't hesitate to contact us. But remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.